Mark, I brought us into a living room right here. And the, the living what room. What a roaring fire. <laughs> it's kind of hot. But the, the, the living room there is going to kind of guide us through our interview today. Now, not too long ago, you interviewed your mom. Several months ago, you interviewed your mom. I went back and listened to that, and even though I was here when it happened, I'd forgotten so many things that y'all talked about, about your upbringing and about several things. We're not going to go into that today, but uh, I'm going to link it to our email so that you can go back and watch that interview if you want to. And then, of course, Pastor Jarrett and Pastor David Fleming interviewed you a few weeks ago and uh, talked about some things. We may do a little bit of overlap, but today I really want to focus on some spiritual things. But uh, you can see that I put your name up at the top there along with those books. And so we're going to talk a little bit about books. But I had a couple of fun questions I just want to hit you with real can, quick. Can I start by saying I'm extremely uncomfortable with this? Uh-huh. That I don't like to be the center of this type, like attention like this. This is not in my wheelhouse. Uh, I'm looking out at a sea of friends. And uh, I, I, I don't mind opening up my life to you at all, but I would rather interview you. I would rather have you up here. We've got Weston Fields here from Kodiak, Alaska, who's the international <laughs> director of the Dead Sea Scrolls Foundation. I'd love to interview him. We've got my mom. I'd, we've got my sister. We've got... Uh, uh, I, I would rather interview Coach Max and find out who's going to make it to the college football playoffs since TCU and USC bit. Um, I would, I, I, I've got my buddy Doug over there who I would much rather uh, find out from him how he managed to get Celia to, to marry him. <laughs> I, I would, I, I've got, all, I mean, I would much rather be doing that, but I was asked to do this and so I'm submitting myself to it, but Please understand that this is not comfortable for me. I'd rather ask Steve about his prayer life than I would be up here doing this. So anyway. As a lawyer, that was a great disclaimer. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so a couple of uh, quick things. Usually you have on some pretty wild socks. Today they're pretty normal. What is your thing with crazy socks? Well, I like personality um, and, I, and I love to dress in, in ways that are fun for me. Um, I'm not too worried about how they are with everybody else, but we're now in the Christmas season where between Christmas and Thanksgiving, I find it very useful to wear dark colors. So true. And those of you who know how dark colors hide that extra 20 pounds <laughs> you put on last weekend know why. So we're dark socks today. I don't want anybody saying, man, he's got fat ankles. That's a good point. I'm glad you are wearing socks. Yeah. So that's kind of a quirky thing. Um, you tend to have some quirks, and uh, I've not only observed that, but I've heard it from your family. They talk about some of them. What's your top quirk that you would say? Because I think you would agree that you're kind of a quirky fellow. Well, I think, yes. I don't know. They make fun of me for stuff. <laughs> What's um, the biggest thing they make fun of you? We can't go too long on this. They probably, the biggest thing is, is I'm a rut person. I have a tendency to, the, 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 my family says I have three restaurants in the rotation. When the kids come home, they say, so what's in the rotation now? Because I'll go to the same restaurant every day, and I'll order the exact same food every time. Okay. I'll sit in the exact same seat every time. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little further down on the spectrum than people realize, maybe, but I, I just, I, I like, you know, and so I'll, and I'm also an efficiency beast. <laughs> 
And so my attitude is, is if you're going to eat Italian food, surely you've been thinking about it ahead of time. When you sit down, why don't you just order immediately? Why are you going to sit there and look at a menu for 20 minutes? I mean, it's Italian food. What do you want? Move on. You know, yeah. so, but, but that's, that's probably the worst quirk. And I try to hide that when I'm with y'all. So if you've, you know, Steve Taylor's laughing. He's eaten with me so many times that he knows I'm that way. And he's a little bit that way because uh, uh, he's an efficiency guy. So if you're with me and I'm just quietly waiting for things to order, uh, you'll know that I'm treating you extra special. If you're with me and we sit down, I say, okay, what do you want? Then you'll know your family. So I, I can take a long time because I want to read everything because I like the diversity. And if I order a baked potato, we're going to be there for about 10 minutes before I can start eating because it'll take me that long to prepare the potato See, the way I want and, it. and my view is, is you're 60 years, how old are you? 60, what? <laughs> you're 52 years I'm, old. I'm a generation under you. 42? I'm at, no. You're 50 something. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm a generation under you. You're six in your 60s. I'm in the 50s, but I'm 53. I'll okay. be 54 on the 28th. Okay, you, yeah, he's all got that birthday we never get to celebrate because it's between yeah. Christmas and New Year's. But you, you will be 54? Yeah. You ought to know what you want on a baked potato. I know what I want, but I just have to prepare it. It takes that long. It, you ought to be able to do your baked potato. And look, I can, sh I can go from bed to in the car ready to go, having showered, shaved, uh, brushed my teeth, everything with longer than you do a potato. We probably make up for it in driving because we can get there fast and then be That's able to true. move on from there. All right. Okay, so here's the thing. Yesterday or two days ago, I was on this stage dressed like Mario doing a masked singer competition with the kids ministry. So the deal is you sing and then the judges are supposed to guess who you are. The first judge, their guess was, that's Mark Lanier behind that mask. I didn't know your voice was that bad. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> well, I just thought, do, do I have to mask myself so much in order to, to resemble you at all? Or is it that you resemble a short Italian running man? I mean, could that be it? I, I don't know. Maybe they thought you were 62. That leads, me, that leads me to my next question. What is your heritage? Where, where do you come from? Mom and dad. Um, that was just a comma. So, um, one, I mean, we've been in, in Texas forever. We've been in the U.S. for quite a long time. But I've done the family tree enough to know that both fam sides of the core family came from England, mm -hmm. though the Lanier side of the family went from France to England in the 1500s. Sure. But we've, we're, we're, we're here. We've you're been a, here for... You're a mutt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been here for centuries. Okay. Okay, so let's move to the bookshelf where we have your name by the book. So books are significant to you, like real paper books. Uh, I know you have electronic books as well, and I'm sure you read those to some degree, but you built a whole library in your backyard emphasizing books, spiritual books, which is a great thing to focus on. We want to know from you, what are you reading right now? What do you read in general? Well, I, I, I read lots of different things. So the thing I've just started reading right now is Lucy's Yellow Butterfly, a story of adoption written uh, by our own Cindy Hammonds. Ah. Cindy, where are you? It's, there you are. And so she gave me a copy this morning, and I started reading that. 
Um, I've also uh, started <laughs> reading again because I'm having to do all these podcasts on this new book that's come out, Religions on Trial. Uh, you will be, let's see if I can, <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> there, turn your head sideways and you can see the whole book. Um, Religions on Trial. Uh, uh, and so I've, this is one where I'd written it a, a good while ago and it's now come out and I'm rereading it. <laughs> trying to see if I still like it. Um, and so I'm, I'm reading that, and then I'm reading Garbage. Uh, the Garbage I'm reading right now is the Slough House, Slough House series, uh, British spy series. Language is horrendous. I don't recommend it unless you're under the age of 54. <laughs> I mean, over the age of 54. Um, uh, the language is, is rough, um, but it's uh, it's it's... I, I try really hard to stay up on culture and to stay up on what's going on. Uh, I, I represent a, a young rapper um, and, that I met with in L.A. the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, very, very, very fine young man, but, but he comes and speaks into a much different culture than I do, and I need to be able to understand him. I need to be able to relate to him. He's out of the south side of Chicago, and uh, he, he's... Um, uh, he got burned in a, uh, at Lollapalooza in a pyrotechnic explosion that went bad while he was on stage rapping. And so, uh, you know, and the closest I come to rapping is getting Christmas gifts ready. And so I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I try real hard to, to know what's going on in the culture. And, and I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm able to interact with the culture be in the world but not be of the world. So I can read that some stuff that I, I don't recommend a lot of people read because I, I as my daughter says, Dad, your your brain just has learned to skip over the cuss words, <laughs> and so and so it has. Um, uh, so I, I I'm reading that right now with garbage. I'm reading through a lot of commentaries on the minor prophets right now as as uh, some of my biblical study reading. And so uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm reading So books today. inform your worldview, they inform your world and give you an insight. And of course, with, with being a lawyer, I'm sure you read a lot of articles and things to prepare for trial. There's oh, yeah, yeah, all of that kind of that. stuff. That, yeah. That's my work stuff. So that's I, work I'm, reading. I'm reading uh, a number of cases right now. Uh, I've just made co-lead of the Tylenol litigation. Um, uh, if you take uh, their studies that indicate about 19 good studies at this point that indicate if a pregnant mother takes Tylenol while um, she's pregnant and takes it a, a decent amount, um, that it increases the risk of autism to her baby by over 160% or something. And um, uh, there was a paper put out in Nature Magazine, a consensus paper by 91 doctors and scientists and medical researchers uh, basically begging the manufacturers of Tylenol to put uh, uh, a warning of acetaminophen, to put a warning on the, the package that just says, if you're pregnant, there's an indication that this may be causing autism. And, and also, uh, I'm reading all of those scientific studies right now and working through all of that kind of stuff for work. Um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and then I'm always reading communication studies. I'm always trying to read how we learn neuroscience studies uh, and all of that kind of mess. So I keep all of that going. In fact, well, now that this could digress into that kind of stuff, so I'll leave it alone. But there's this really cool thing, but anyway. So there's so many things that you read. 
how do you keep track of everything? How do you keep it all together? It's rumored that you have a photographic memory. Is there any truth to that? Well, for certain things I do. Um, for certain. Now, I have a photographic memory. Mine just doesn't develop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Apparently, you can develop it, organize it, and call it back up at the right time. For, for certain things uh, uh, I do. For other things, maybe I'm missing the film or something. But I, I you know, if... It, it, it works differently. I, 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 photographic memory itself is, you know, I, I don't have that. You know, for example, there's a great dad joke out right now. <laughs> if the root of all evil, no, if all evil is the number 666, then is the root of all evil 28.086, you know, and, yeah. and so I thought I'd memorize the square root of 666 <laughs> so that I could tell that joke. But I thought, eh, is it worth the brain cells, you know? But I can look at it and just look at it, and I can remember out to probably six or eight of the digits. Um, so that it just depends on what it is. Comes in handy. Okay, so we're going to shift gears now. We're going over to the fireplace where we see the stones. In your backyard, you have a stone chapel, uh, which was supposed to be a 30-person chapel built for funerals, and now it's a 300-person chapel if you add extra chairs and squeeze in for lectures. Um, now... And, and you bring lectures in and you have panel discussions, which I'm sure you do a lot of reading to prepare for that because every panel discussion that you moderate, it's like you're smarter than the, than the, the panelists. And of course, he's leading it so he can guide it whichever way he wants, but he knows the stuff. And so it's pretty amazing. Sometimes I see the panelists, they just kind of shake their heads like, oh no, where are we going? So you've built some other things in your backyard and you have a, a new building that's being built. Um, we talked about, y'all talked about this the other day with Pastor Jarrett and Pastor David, but just very briefly, succinctly, what will that building be used for? Pretty exciting for the Learning Center. So the Learning Center is going to have um, classroom space. Uh, Baylor has Truett Seminary, and Truett Seminary will be offering on our campus an entire Master's of Divinity degree where you never have to leave this campus. You don't have to go to Waco. You don't have to go anywhere else. They'll have the professors. So we'll also be having offices for certain of, of the professors of that. Um, uh, uh, that's kind of cool. We, we've got uh, a number of other um, events. Uh, you know, we've seen that the church is missing uh, deacon training programs. And so we're trying to put together deacon training programs where you bring deacons in for a weekend and you give them intense training on everything from personnel matters and, and uh, finance matters and, and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, we've also got, uh, we're trying to become a center for pastor renewal and Pastor Jarrett's so big into that and, and working so hard with our CFBC Connect program with pastors around the country. It's really neat. Uh, a very kind lady in this class has a son who's a pastor who's just really frustrated right now. And, and to, for her to come up to me and say, any advice for my, my son? And, and my answer is, yeah. And I text Jarrett. Jarrett's immediately texting him saying, hey, let's get you in for one of our, our, our times of, 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 you know, blessing and fellowship and restoration and, and, uh, and all our respite. Um, it's just real cool. So we've got all of that kind of stuff. We'll have tons of more programs, tons of meeting spaces. Um, uh, it will facilitate uh, dialogue and conversation and community life uh, in, in a way that, that transcends the denominational existence of CFBC. So CFBC is a great meeting place for 
things related to CFBC. But if we want to expand that and deal with other churches, even within other church traditions, then this will be a common place to do it. Okay, and now you've also have a project in Yarnton, well, in near Oxford, the Yarnton Manor. Is that a linear theological library in Britain, or what's the purpose of it? So that's, that's set up as a sister foundation. Uh, our stuff over here is in a foundation, and, and so it's got, you know, the, the goal is for it to have life beyond us, and so that we don't die, and our kids say, gee, what did dad leave us with? What do we do with this? So it's, it's set up in a way to have continuity in life, and, and we've done the same over in England. Uh, uh, there is a strong evangelical presence uh, in Cambridge, England, through Wycliffe uh, Hall, uh, uh, I mean through Tyndall House, uh, and there's a strong evangelical presence of sorts in, in Oxford, but it's associated with just Wycliffe Hall, one of the colleges in some ways, but they've got the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics and a few other things, but we thought that this would be a good place to really try and be an outreach, not just within Oxford and that area of England, but in continental Europe as well. And so we've, we've got a, a place that, that forms community. Uh, we're trying to find a director. Uh, right now, Pastor David Fleming spends 10 days, and, and Beverly spend 10 days over there and then 20 days here, 10 days there, 20 days here. And, and it's gonna drive them crazy. So we've gotta find something long-term solution over there. Um, but it's, it's really cool, and it's an opportunity. We've had uh, boatloads of people use it already. Truett's used it. Uh, we've got a lot of people who are putting study abroad opportunities. Pastor Jarrett's already on the, the, the drawing board trying to figure out how to get uh, uh, one-week stints four times a year of 20 to 30 pastors that can go over there and get serious education from Tom Wright, from, from uh, uh, Michael, from, from all these different people that, that would come in and teach. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. We've got a library over there as well because the graduate school of the Evangelical College at Oxford will be using it as their campus. Oh. And so we've got a library, but we haven't been able to start construction on the library because England has a lot of red tape and the building with the library has bats in the... Uh, Belfry in the in the <laughs> attic, and um, you can't you can't you're not allowed to chase them away. So we have to show how we can have a library and let let the bats uh, thrive. And so um, we've finally done that to their satisfaction. So you know the building is like 500 years old. That'll be this library. If any of y'all are going to England. All of this should be restored by May or so. So anytime you go, let us know because we'd love you to go by. I hear bats love paper, so y'all are just bringing a feast in for them. How, how nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe not. All right. Maybe they don't read. Um, so we're going to shift gears again. The first time I met you, I've known you for about 21 years. Uh, that was when I was 34. <laughs> that would make you 55. Oh, I didn't do the math right. So anyway. <laughs> And are you sure we can come in at 9.10 next Sunday? That, or? That, okay, that go ahead. piece of film did not develop. <laughs> so <clears throat> when I met you, I went to your office. You were working downtown, uh, went up, and we were talking about video stuff. And uh, I go up there, and you got your uh, feet kicked up on the something. You're on this, like a couch. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. Uh, I was like, man, this is a pretty laid-back guy. Um, I've never really seen you in a tizzy, if I can use that word, except once 
here at the church, and that something just wasn't working technologically. Um, otherwise, I've seen you in, in court, and um, you were uh, on the attack, and so very, very different look to you. You were still <laughs> kind and courteous, I'll have to say that. Yeah. Um, my wife was visiting with your daughter, Sarah, and they were talking one time, and she asked Sarah, what is it like growing up with your dad when you are in trouble or trying to get away with something? She said, it is brutal. <laughs> It's like once you cross-examine, you know exactly what happened, and they're all just coming clean and um, uh, a force to be reckoned with. So uh, all that to say, on the next part of our living room, you are on fire. You've got so many things going on, taking care of business on all these different areas. What we want to know is, how do you manage your day with so many different things going on? What's an average day in the life of Mark Lanier in very general terms? Well, let me first say that if the kids had issues like that, um, the withering perceptive cross-examination was not by me, it was by <laughs> Becky. By Becky. Okay, look, man. Maybe that was her reference. Oh, look, I'm telling you, man, she can figure it out. She said to me, do you realize our daughters have just totally pulled the wool over your eyes? Do you not see this? And I'm like, you mean they weren't telling the truth? No, they weren't telling the truth. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and and Becky is also one of the reasons I'm able to get uh, of what some perceive as a lot done because she takes care of so much of the stuff that, that should take my time and I just don't have to do it. So it allows me to really focus my time on the stuff that I enjoy. And so my day is basically, I try to wake up in the morning uh, before I need to do anything at all. And the first thing I try and do is some quiet time. And my quiet time right now, I'm writing another devotional book. And by the way, you get one of these books on the way out, Religions on Trial, but hopefully before the end of the year, we'll have your new devotional book uh, as well here from from Baylor uh, for next year. Um, So I'm working on another volume of the Baylor devotional books, and so I I write on that first thing in the morning, and that's part of my quiet time. And then after I I do that, uh, I look at emails and I see what exploded overnight around the world that I need to deal with immediately. And then after I do that, I try to eat a little bit of breakfast and, and start the day, and then I've generally got my day consumed with calls and meetings and Zooms and all of that kind of mess. Um, uh, I, uh, somewhere in the midst of the day before I go to sleep have committed that I'm going to exercise every day of this year. And so I try to do that this, this birth year. Um, and so, um, uh, I try to fit in exercise. I try to balance that out during the week. Uh, I try to eat right. Um, and then I, I, I enjoy, I'm, I don't like downtime. So I play like internet chess. If I've, got, if I've got six minutes, I'll play a three-minute chess game. If I've got 10 minutes, I'll play a five-minute chess game. Um, uh, I love to keep up with the news. I love to keep up with uh, everything like that. Try to make phone calls while I drive because that's a good time to talk on the phone. Um, and then just try to wedge everything together as best as I can. So that's what I do. Good, 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 good. <laughs> So you are so kind, and you're, you're a friend to me, and certainly appreciate that. You're a friend to all of these people. You stay after class most times, visiting with people. How do you balance your prestige, your influence, your wealth, with being such a humble, godly man? Well, I don't consider all of that other stuff anything of mine. Um, you know, I was talking to a, 
I was talking to my young rapper uh, last Wednesday. And I said to him, I said, look, I'm going to quit being your lawyer for a minute, and I'm going to be your preacher friend. I said, God has given you a talent, a gift, but he's also given you an opportunity. And I said, I really want to encourage you to take your talent and gift and the opportunity that God's given you and use it to speak into the life of those people you can influence. Um, you, can, you can have a thumbprint in this world for good uh, uh, and, and leave that. And, and, and I really urge you to, to take that and, and seize it. So many people look at the gifts and opportunities as something that's theirs. So many people look at the opportunities as something they've earned. And so they live and thrive in those for selfish reasons. Um, look, I'm, I don't deserve anything that I've got. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even pick my parents. Um, I, they, they never let me pick where we live. Um, uh, I, didn't, I didn't pick who my teachers were. I didn't pick my skill set and talents. Um, if I did, I'd have been playing football under Coach Max. It's just I have an ability to appreciate it. I just, I'm slow and, and short. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, that, that's just not my gift. So I've got a set of gifts and talents, but they're from God. He's blessed me in certain ways in spite of myself oftentimes. And, and so the fruits of it are certainly his. And all I am is some kid from Lubbock who's grown up, who's married way over his head, who's been blessed with an incredible family and a chance to do some good with what God's given me. So, I'm, I mean, I, I love talking to y'all because y'all are my friends and y'all are like me. We're all in this mess together and we're all trying to figure out how to use what God's given us and where God's placed us to, to further his kingdom before we go home, before we graduate. And, and we're all in the same boat. Heaven, I'm, there, there's, that's why I, I'm awkward up here saying, well, interview me. Let me tell you about me. I don't, I know me. This isn't worth interviewing. Um, uh, I interview me all day long. And uh, we can do better than that. Um, but I'm no different than anybody else. And if I started to think I am, there are a number of people in here, starting with Coach Max, who'd probably whoop me. Uh, well, from all of your friends, our friends here, we just want to say that's a very rare perspective for people who, regardless of how you got to where you are and what you do, uh, we're thankful for what you do. We're glad that you're on the side of the Lord, that he loves you and he's graced you. And, but for you to take the time to spend time with people like us, because we see ourselves a little bit different, a little bit separate, less photographic memory, all these things. But you are still so kind and you go out of your way to model what, what I read in the scripture. So has, I'm sure the scripture has influenced your perspective or are you just a nice guy? Oh, no, I'm not nice. Um, <laughs> I was, I was uh, moderating a panel uh, at a legal conference in New York City on one day last week. I don't remember which day it was at this point. There's that memory. It was Wednesday. 1, 1.30 p.m. Uh, <laughs> I was moderating a panel, and one of the lawyers on the panel, lawyer from Los Angeles who was out there, a buddy named Alex. Um, uh, Alex and I were talking in preparation for the panel, 
and he said, am I going to get to tell him about the four times you cross-examined my witness, Pam, I won't use her last name on the internet, and at the end of each time, she walks off the stand crying, and I said, you know, <laughs> she should have felt liberated, you know, the, the truth sets you free. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so, so I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you just do the best you can. And, and, uh, I'm not any, and I, I'm, look, we're all, we're all the same. Honestly, there's not a lick of difference. So I have a photographic memory. Do you know that's a, on, on some things, on some things, my memory's horrible. Okay. That's true. Uh, um, I, I absolutely deplorable on something. If I read it, it's it's generally in the bear trap. Uh, if if I meet you and I get your name five minutes later, I've totally forgotten it. I met this really nice lady over here, and her daughter who's visiting for the first time, and they're over here by Weston Fields, and I can't remember your name. You told me it was like Lucia or something. No, Lu Christina. So close. Okay, there's that photographic memory. But, but it's also, it, it's a blessing, but it can be a curse too. You, I can read some stuff I wish I'd forget. Mm. Um, so, so, I mean, it, it's, it's all, we're, we're all the same. Don't ever start thinking, you know, the, the, the reason everyone in this room is exceptional is and because there is a God who called you forth into existence in this world. When the psalmist says that God knit me together in my mother's womb, he's not, don't take that literally. He was not confused thinking God had knitting needles and had reduced himself down to fit into utero, you know, and he's doing this. It, it, no, that's, that's an image. It's a metaphor for the idea that, that you are intricately woven together by, by God. And that's true for everybody in here. And so we're all the same because that God is what makes each one of us valuable. I'm not valuable because of my memory. I'm not valuable because of worldly success or failure. I'm not valuable because I'm up here. I'm not valuable because I have dear friends. I'm valuable because God made me this way. That's right. That's true for everybody in here. That's why you're valuable. And you may feel like garbage, but that's the deception of the enemy. You may feel unloved, but that's the deception of the enemy. You may be scared about what the future holds, but that's the deception of the enemy. Because there is a God who loves you, who's knit you together, who's called you by name, and whose greatest desire for you is that you would know him intimately. I so mean, that's that, true that for will all lead of us. us to the last, our last gear we're going to shift in. There's a, a Bible there on the book, on the little table there in the picture behind us. And that's the biblical literacy Bible. Oh, there's one right there too. So biblical literacy when you interviewed your mom, we got a great insight to your upbringing and how important starting in the Church of Christ Church when there wasn't one available. Your family had church in the kitchen every Sunday. So there was a lot of spiritual interaction. Uh, very briefly, 
where does your spiritual motivation come from? Uh, tell us about your parents or anything else that got you really wanting to, to focus on spiritual things as well as other things. Well, mom, mom, mom and dad, but, but, you know, mom was the one who brought dad into a closer walk with God. Um, uh, my dad grew up, uh, just an East Texas, good old boy, goes off in the Navy, um, comes back, loves football, baseball, and, and the University of Texas. And that, that defines my dad in so many ways. And he also loved my mom, and she wasn't going to have anything to do with him if he didn't love the Lord. And so uh, mom was uh, in so many ways uh, uh, a defining moment for not just dad, but through that, dad became a spiritual leader in the house because he saw the value of it. But it truly was my mom, I think, who, who, who helped dad find who dad needed to be with the Lord. Uh, I don't think it came naturally to dad. I think dad grew into it over time. And, uh, uh, and mom was that way with us. You know, mom taught me uh, from an early age that I'm not an accident, that God has put me here for a reason. And, uh, you know, mom said these really strong, influential things to me as a very young kid. And I urge you, if you've got people whose lives you speak into, to speak into them in, in similar ways. Uh, I can remember in about third grade, uh, mom was rocking uh, uh, our little sister to sleep. And she was telling me that God was going to make a, a man of God out of me, but I needed to be real careful because if you read the Bible, two things over and over that cause men of God to stumble are um, alcohol and uh, uh, chasing after women. And she said, you need to, to know that as a young man. You need to know that and you need to always be on your guard against that. You know, and just speaking wisdom like that into the, to the mind of somebody who's growing up because she says, you know, I gave you back to God. You're God's. You're not mine. And, uh, you know, mom, I think, got to be the key. So moms and grandmoms, dads and granddads, you have an influence in the lives of your children, grandchildren. Whether you realize it or not, they're going to keep it. Now, some will run from it. Some will run toward God. But we still have that responsibility. So thank you. And, and when thank they, you, Mimi, for yeah. uh, focusing in on, on Mark growing up. Yeah, and when they run from it, always remember God's not through. Yes. So I, I, um, my book, Atheism on Trial, uh, is, came out earlier this year. And uh, I was asked to do a podcast this week with the Atheist Christian Book Club. <laughs> and these were a bunch of people, half of them were atheists and half of them were Christians. And for two hours I was on there while they, the atheists grilled me on my book. Um, I ought to send you the link to it. It's worth watching. Um, but, you know, one of them said, uh, he, one of them was a Wycliffe Bible translator for seven years and then became an atheist. And another one said he'd been a Christian for a long time, because I'm asking them about their background, until he got smart enough and became an atheist. 
And, and then one of them asked me toward the end, a guy named Bill said to me, he said, so you think uh, God raised us up to go to hell? And I said, no. He said, well, the Calvinists would say that we weren't ever really saved because once you're saved, you're always saved. And since we're atheists, we're not saved. And I said to him, I said, well, who's, I'm, not, I'm not convinced God's done with you. I said, I'm, I'm not at all convinced. I mean, come on, you've just spent two hours talking with me <laughs> about whether or not there's a God. So one of two things is possible. Either you're trying to convince yourself you're right and you're worried about that, or you're trying to figure out if there really might be a God and you're willing to listen to it. I said, if you're just doing this to try and convince yourself, that ought to tell you something. If you're doing this because you're really curious, that ought to tell you something too. I said, but God's not through with you and I'm not willing to throw in the towel. And if you've got people in your family that, don't, that seem to have strayed from the Lord, you just keep praying. You just keep praying because God's not done yet. And God says sometimes the, the wheat has to grow up with the weeds and it's not going to be till the end that you whack out the weeds and you, you keep the wheat. And uh, uh, God's just not done yet. So, thank you. Yes, that's good advice, great advice. So on the spiritual motivation, as we close out, is our last question because we're out of time. But as Christians, and you just told us all, God made us all for his good purposes and good reasons. We see you come up here and teach a fantastic Bible study class by going into the original languages and pulling out things that reading just translations we would never get to. So we're thankful for your insights. But our biggest question is, how does the one of us study God's Word, get something out of it, and feel like we are moving along in the spiritual journey without knowing the, the, the languages or, or without having studied for years and years. Maybe we're young in our faith, or maybe we've been a Christian for a long time, but we just listen to sermons every time, and we don't have a photographic memory, so we forget. How, how does the normal person, how should a normal person be able to gear up biblical and spiritual muster and live the Christian life more and more than we did the year before. Okay, uh, I don't know if Bill Goodkey is here this morning or not. Bill, are you here? We had food. He should be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! So he runs a swim school, uh, among other things that he does. Um, think of it like swimming and playing in the pool. That's good. When you're a child, you can play in the pool and have a ball. We were with our grandkids over over Thanksgiving. They were playing in the, the jacuzzi and having an absolute ball. Now, our three-year-old grandson actually can swim probably 15 feet. Um, but he doesn't have to swim 15 feet to have a ball. And I promise you, as he continues to grow up and as the other grandchildren continue to grow up, they'll get better and better at swimming. And they may get to a point where they can swim laps and just really enjoy the exercise of it. Our daughter's father-in-law, one of our daughter's father-in-laws, uh, who's like, I, I don't know what that makes him to me, but he's a great guy and a great <laughs> friend, and he loves the Lord. And he swims laps every morning, every morning. And, and he loves that time. So you can be anywhere in the pool and have an absolute blast. 
And if you're young and you're just starting to get into the faith, get into the Bible. And you will grow and you will enjoy it and you will thrive even if all you're doing is a dog paddle. And then as you get older and you get better at swimming, you'll find an ability to swim in waters that you can't swim in yet. And you'll love those waters. And just because I get to help teach in here, and I may be swimming in different waters because I've, I've learned different things over my life, that's going to give you, that's like your view into different waters that maybe you can't swim in yourself, but you can still watch the show, if you will, or you can learn and, and appreciate it through the life of someone else. Meanwhile, you keep growing and thriving in your own pool, and you'll experience things and know things just from where you come that I won't. And, and, you know, that's one reason to keep reading the Bible over and over. Someone said, was it, was it David Capes who told me this story? Or someone who said uh, that maybe it was one of our library lecturers who said that um, uh, when they were writing another book on the line, it was Tom Wright. No, maybe. I don't know. See, that's my memory with people. Somebody somewhere one time said that they were writing another book on Jesus. And the person's wife said, I think it was Maggie, right, said, well, didn't you write a book on Jesus 10 years ago? Yes. Well, has he changed? And Tom said, no, but I have. Yes. Yes. See, our perception changes as we have different life cycles. So you're learning stuff in your pool that I don't know. And I'm learning stuff in my pool that you don't know. Let's all keep coming together and yes. sharing what we're learning in our That's pool. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark, yeah. for sharing with us today. You, you and Becky are a force to be reckoned with, and we are thankful that we can swim in your waters. Oh, well, we're thankful we can swim in your waters, and you let us in, invade your life. We love you guys. So as Mark always does, we're asking him to bless us as we leave. Two announcements for you. At your tables, there is one, a card that's green, but you need to write down how many people are at your table. If anyone has already left, add them to your account. It's the only way we can get a count of how many came today. Please, every table, write that down. Last thing, if you brought a dish that you want back, it's in this gym, uh, and you need to get it up, get your dish, and if there's any kind of uh, other stuff, it might be underneath the table. Whatever you leave is mine. Please take your stuff home. We don't want any more. Thanks again, Mark. Close okay. us out. All right. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask your blessings on everybody who, who has uh, been part of our fellowship this morning, live or even through the internet. Father, would you bless them? Call their name. Let them hear you. Shower them with your love that, that forgives all sin and forgets all sin. Bless them with a drive and desire to dive deeper into the pools of, of, of wisdom and, and fellowship and love that you have for us. We thank you for the attention you give us. We thank you for the people who've spoken into our lives, uh, parents, uh, siblings, uh, friends, uh, even occasionally enemies. We thank you for all of that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.